Thank you for joining us for this message from Cornerstone Community Church in Lynchburg, Virginia. Here's Pastor Willie Taylor. Today we're going to talk about a subject that is just a little bit probably different because it's a series, and the series is going to be on on faith, really. Okay, faith without works is dead. So we're going to talk about faith, and I'll probably have... Brother John come up also, uh, but we're going to start off in Genesis. So if you turn to Genesis chapter 14, and what we want to do is lay the foundation. Why am I teaching this series going into the Easter season? Well, I think that it's no appropriate, it's, it's, not, it's no better pro- appropriate time than to be concentrating on why do we have faith? Who do we have faith in? During the season where our Lord was celebrating his life, his death, and his resurrection because he is the author and the finisher of our faith, is he not? Uh, So we should be there. Now, what is the meaning of Really walking by faith. When somebody says walking by faith, we walk by faith, not by sight. What, was, what are we really talking about? What I wanted to talk about a little today is that we need to understand who, do, who we have faith in. That's very important. If we know the word of God, but don't know the God of the word, it doesn't help us. It really doesn't. We need to know who God is. And, and we need to know who God is to an extent that we have this intimate, personal relationship with him that is, is, is so tight and so close that we really trust him. Because we have to trust, we have to, we have to believe in him, we have to also obey him, because there is no such thing as walking by faith if you don't obey God, really. You have to be in obedience to God in order to walk by faith. Also, we need to worship him. We need to honor him. He needs to be our greatest joy. That's what he needs to be, our greatest joy. As much as I love my wife and, and, and I'm joyful of our marriage and take joy in our marriage, without Jesus Christ, our marriage would not be much at all. He has to be my greatest joy. He has to be her greatest joy. And when that happens, then we can relate to each other much better, and we can now glorify him in our marriage. But when he's not our greatest joy, if she's my greatest joy, then I'm going to be in trouble. I'm really going to be in trouble because she can't be all that I need, nor can I be all that she needs. Singles, those who want to get married, because some singles don't want to get married. Uh, Those who want to get married, let me tell you, you need to take the opportunity while you're single to cultivate that Jesus Christ is your greatest joy. There's no problem with, with God giving you a mate when he knows that they are second to him. But when we have that problem 
a lot of times we, we struggle in our marriages, we struggle in our families, we struggle in our jobs because he is not our greatest joy. He's not number one. Let's look at it from Genesis chapter 14. And let's see what Abram went through just a little bit here. We're going to start in verse 22. And we see where... Um, we'll start in verse 21. The king of Sodom said to Abram, Give the people to me and take the goods for yourself. This is after the kings came in and took uh, the, the people in Sodom and Gomorrah, took Lot, took all the goods, took all those things away. And Abram and his household and his allies went and got them back. This is after he met Melchizedek. This is the verses, these are the verses that we're going over now. Abram said to the king of Sodom, I have sworn to the Lord God most high, possessor of heaven and earth. Now, that verse right there is so powerful because in, that, in just, just that verse, it speaks of knowledge of who God is by Abram. Now, he says, the Lord, the Lord Yahweh, he knew the name of the Lord. And he says, God most high, El Elyon, he knew that that, that speaks of his, his, his might. It speaks of his sovereignty. God is a mighty God. And if we don't know he's mighty, if we, if, if we think that he's uh, just can do some things, but not all things, in our heart, not just in our head, because I think if you've been in church long enough, you have the, have the Christianese stuff down, and you know that God is mighty, he's powerful, he's sovereign, he's everywhere at one time. You know those things, but we really don't walk them out all the time. We have to get it from a head knowledge to a heart knowledge. And he, he, he not only called who, he, who God was, but he says, possessor of heaven and earth. Now, he knew something, possessor of heaven and earth. Do we know that God is a possessor of heaven and earth? That means everything. Everything in heaven, everything in earth, everything on earth. Everything under the earth, he is the possessor. Nobody owns anything other than the Lord. And who we choose to give it to, it's the Lord. And when we know that, it gives us more opportunity to say, God, I can trust you. I can believe in you. I can honor you. I can worship you. I can obey you. You can be my greatest joy because if I need a wife, I need a husband, if I were single, single, then, God, you own everything. It's no problem. If I need finances, if I need health, if I need whatever I need, he is the answer to it. He's the answer. And I really believe that 
We know that. But it just takes walking it out. Then he says in verse 23. That I will not take a thread or a sandal thong or anything that is yours. For fear you would say I have made Abram, Abram rich. He did not want the king of Solomon saying that, well, Abram rich because I gave him everything. If I wouldn't have given him anything, he wouldn't have had anything. No, he, he wanted him to know you haven't done anything for me. It's my God. It's my God. He said, I will take nothing except what the young men have eaten. And also he gave it to his allies. Let's look at chapter 15, verse 1. After these things, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision saying, Do not fear, Abram. I am a shield to you. Now, you can, you can put anything else after that I am. And he is. Really. Whatever you have need of, he is. He says, your, your reward shall be very great. Now, you gave up the reward of going and, and getting all the, the people and the, and, the, and, the, and the goods and lot, all, all those. You gave up that reward because you didn't want anybody to say that they made you rich other than me. Let me tell you, Abram. Your reward shall be very great. Now, that's something coming from the possessor of heaven and earth, isn't it? Abram said, O Lord God, what will you give me since I'm childless? Verse 3, and Abram said, since you have given no offspring to me. One born in my house is my heir. Then behold, the word of the Lord came to him, saying, This man will not be your heir, but one who shall come forth from your own body. He shall be your heir. And he took him outside. God always liked to give you a visual. He took him outside. So you can... You can Visualize they in this tent. They took him outside. And then he said, look up and just count. Count the stars if you can. So shall your descendants be. And in verse 6 it says, then he believed in the Lord. It did not say that he believed in the promise of the Lord. It said he believed in the Lord. Do we believe in the Lord? See, we have to have that intimate personal relationship with the Lord. We have to have that closeness, tightness with with him that we believe the Lord. So whatever he says, I believe the Lord. I believe the Lord. No matter how way out it might be, Lord, if, it, if it's you bid me to come, well, well, come, Peter, come. 
wouldn't have been nice if Peter would have said, all these winds and all this trying to get my attention off you, Lord, but my eyes on you because I believe you, Lord. But see, he believed the circumstances and he began to sink. We got to believe the Lord. Got to believe the Lord. Let's go to a, another place in Genesis chapter 2. And let's look at another person who had an opportunity, but just didn't follow through with that opportunity. In, in Genesis chapter 2, verse 7, Then the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and the man became a living being. Then the Lord took the man and put him into the garden of Eden to cultivate it and keep it. And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, From any tree of the garden you may eat freely, but from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat. For in the day that you eat from it you shall surely die. Now then he says, Out of the ground the Lord God formed every beast of the field and every bird of the sky, and he brought them to the man to see what he would call them. And whatever the man called a living creature, that was his name. And man gave names to all the cattle and to the birds of the sky and to every beast of the field, but Adam was not found on. I have a suitable for him. Now, here is Adam in a relationship with Yahweh. And this man had to know God must be awesome. Because he creates everything. He created him. He created all the birds, all the cattle, every creeping thing. He created, created it. Then he says, that whatever you call them, Adam. That's what their name's going to be. Now, if Adam could name things, now how, tell me now, just, just think about this thing. All these animals, all these creatures, just to remember what you name some, so you want to name two of them the same thing, it, it would be interesting, wouldn't it? He didn't have, he didn't say, well, he wrote the names down, you know, he, he did this so he'll make sure he didn't, he didn't call us called a zebra uh, or skunk, you know. Uh, so, you know, just think about all these names. What kind of mind must God have if he gave me that kind of intelligence? This seemed to be what Adam should have been saying. Then the Lord fashioned into a woman the rib which he had taken out of the man and brought him to the man, and the man said, This is now bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh. Now, how did he know that? Because in verse 21, it says, So the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon the man, and he slept. Then he took one of his rib and ribs and closed up the flesh from his place. Now, if you, if you anybody had an operation and you were put to sleep, you usually don't remember what somebody the operation, all the things they did. And here this man had enough intelligence 
to know when he wakes up, oh, he took this real for me. He fashioned my helper suitable for me. I'm going to call her woman because she's bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh because she was taken out of man. This man was intelligent. God gave him all this intelligence. He walked with God. But yet, he was disobedient to God. Why couldn't Adam, in this relationship with God, say, I trust God? He said, look, hey, this, is, this tree is, is, is good for fruit. The fruit is, is, is good to eat. I'm going to eat this. And I'm going to give it to you, and you're going to eat it. Why, why, didn't, why didn't he say, no, 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 sweetheart, it, that's not going to happen. That's not going to happen. You can die if you want to, but I'm not dying. I'm, I'm going to trust God. And now this is with all this intelligence. Now, how about us with all the wisdom that God has given us because he's given us from Genesis to Revelation, to read about all the accounts of everything he's done that there's, that's necessary for us to walk in obedience to him, but yet we don't say, I'm going to trust God. I'm going to trust God. I'm not going to be like Adam. I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to do that. God is good. We have to move from where we are to more where God wants us to be in this time of the season. That's what I want us to do is reflect on the Passover, what's coming, reflect on our Lord's life, his death, his resurrection. What does it really mean? Does it really, really mean that he is who he said he is? Should we really be walking more by faith and not by sight? Should we trust him more and less in circumstances? Should we really trust him with our mate and not try to do it ourselves? Try to conform our mate to what we think they should be? Or how about our children? We need to trust God. We trust God. Let's take a, another scripture. Let's go to Second uh, James chapter fourteen. James chapter two, verse fourteen. Let me ask Elder John to come on up uh, because he's going to help me share a little bit. If you want to know where I'm going, well, that's the right there. And I'm right there. Now, let's, let's, let's uh, go through this now, just a little bit. Faith, that's the title of the message. Faith without works is dead. Verse 14, what use is it, my brethren, if someone says, he has faith, but he has no works. No works. 
Can that faith save him? And the answer is what? No. No. If a brother or sister is without clothing and in need of daily food, and one of you says to them, Go in peace, be warm, and be filled, and yet do not give them what is necessary for their body. What use is that? Even so, faith, if it has no works, is dead. Being by itself. So faith has to have some works with it. Now, as uh, Elder John, you come up because this is, we, we can read this and we can talk about it, but really, I want to be able to, to, to live it. So if we're going to live this thing, how difficult is it for you and for the people you've been associated with to really walk this out? Because most of us have been like Peter. We, we, we talk a good game. Lord, if it, if it be you, bid me to come. Right? Talk a good game. That sounds good. The rest of them in the boat, woohoo, look at Peter, man. Look at man, Peter, you better sit down, boy. You know? Hush, man, if, if he's telling me to come, I'm going. And he did walk on the water. That's a good thing. He did walk on the water. But circumstances got a hold to him. Isn't that our testimony sometimes? It's circumstances. We, we, we talk a good game while we're in church, while, while everything is going well. But when circumstances come against what you, what you want to happen, what the Bible says should happen, or whatever the situation may be, we don't, we don't have perseverance long enough to wait on the Lord. And we'll be like, like Saul was. Well, well, uh, Sammy, you said you were coming, and I waited for you, so you didn't come in a due time. So I had to offer the offer myself because the men were scattering. He said, "Hey, I'm here. It's still the same time. I'm here. If you just waited a little longer, God wants to see. Are we going to wait on Him?" Are we going to trust him regardless of the circumstance? How hard is it? Elder, tell, tell us about it. Well, uh, as you shared this message, it brought back something you said to me years ago. Uh, you said that there are people depending on me, meaning in the church um, at that time I wasn't married. And what, what you were saying to me was that if my faith fails, there's people looking at the elders. You don't want an elder's faith to fail, right? Uh, you don't want anybody's faith to fail. And so um, the stakes are high. This walking by faith that you're saying is, is so critical. And the flesh seems so strong sometimes. And it does seem difficult, like you're saying, to walk by faith. But if my faith goes down, it impacts people in the church, it impacts my family. It impacts the people. I work three jobs, so there's three jobs worth of people that know me. 
I've got a family, extended family, relatives. Everybody knows I'm a Christian. Everybody I work with knows I'm a Christian. All my family knows I'm a Christian. This whole church, I know, I know a lot of people in Lynchburg because I've been here since 1984. So if I go down, that's not good. And it's not just me, it's you. <laughs> I mean, if your faith fails, your kids are looking at you. And so Pastor said to me, his, his goal with this message today was he wants us to see how important it is to walk by faith. And I started thinking about that. It's critical. I mean, absolutely critical that we walk by faith. And I um, appreciate you sharing this. <laughs> Do you have any experiences how you had success and how maybe you feel short a little bit? You can uh, take this little stool okay. right here. You can take this thing off. You don't need this. Yeah, I'm in the process right now um, where I've been tested uh, a number of times where I've started to falter, but I've got the victory with it. Um, Some of you know I've been trying to build my basement now for about four or five years. I've I've just wanted to do it. And uh, now, uh, recently, we've had uh, international students come live in our house. And Debbie loves a big family, and I'm kind of surprised that I do too. So uh, now we just received a Korean student two weeks ago. He's at Korean church this morning. And we really love these international students. Uh, So we just had a Skype call, and we're going to have another one come live with us next year. So now we'll have three students come live with us. Well, we need more room, so more incentive to finish my basement. Well, right as we talk with this Chinese family to get them to come here, and they say they, he said he wants to come, I start to work on my basement. It's just really slow going. I've got to build a couple ba- bedrooms and a bathroom down there and, and all the perimeter walls and do... All, I mean, it's a huge job. I've never done anything like it. So right as, right as all this is happening, um, my back goes out. And, uh, you know, you bend in a weird way, and then you're laying in bed on an ice pack. And I start to think, you know, how thoughts come to you. It it isn't going to happen. I mean, I'm the only one basically doing it. I really don't have the help to do it. Uh, And it's hard for somebody to help me because it's weird times. And I started to think, I'm not going to be able to do this. You know, you're laying on your ice pack looking at the ceiling. (laughs) And uh, so I had to think, you know, the scripture came back to me. God gave me a word about four years ago when I was first looking to do this basement and he stopped me. It wasn't his timing. Remember last week I talked to you about God's timing. Well, the word that God gave me, I'm, I'm pretty confident of it now, was uh, it's not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. So it really wasn't until these last couple of days that I now have a confidence. I know that I'm going to get this basement built. And it's not going to be by my might and it's not going to be by my power because I don't have any. <laughs> my body can't do it. I mean, I've got, all, I've got a knee with two surgeries that's been bothering me. I, I mean, I've got all kinds of things wrong with my body that just can't do it physically. <laughs> but yet, I'm going to do it. Um, yet, not I, <laughs> but Christ in me. And it's going to get done. If, if He has to raise up 
people to help me. If he has to raise up money to give me so I pay people to get it done, it doesn't matter. It's going to get done. Um, so I faltered in my faith. But, you know, my wife's watching on to see my boys see me bringing all this wood into the basement. They know something's going on. I'm building it. And all, all of a sudden I say to them, I can't do it. I'm returning everything. Every, the deal's off. We have to tell this fam, Chinese family not to come next year. Forget it. I can't do it. What God said, isn't gonna, it, it just isn't going to happen. So it's happening because I'm trusting Him against the circumstances of this flesh <laughs> that want to cause me to doubt. Um, but I'm glad I'm weak because the Scripture says that in my weakness, His strength is made perfect. So I'm, I'm, I rejoice in my weakness. I rejoice that it's not by my might. And it's not by my power. It's by His Spirit, says the Lord. So I'm, I'm fired up about this message. <laughs> oh, sound like it, brother. Sounds like it. Okay, now, uh, we, we're still in James chapter 2. Uh, so uh, why don't you read, starting verse 19, uh, John, and, and go from there and see what you, how you want to uh, deliver a little bit more to the congregation. Okay, it says, uh, You believe that God is one. You do well. The demons also believe and shudder. But are you willing to recognize, you foolish fellow, that faith without works is useless? And, uh, you know, just stopping right there, what pastors already said is um, there needs to be some kind of work to our faith. And James is like, hey, guys, the demons believe it. The ones that hate God. okay, they believe. How about the children of the light? Shouldn't we believe? I mean, he's making quite a uh, bold comparison right there. Uh, Was not Abraham our father justified by works when he offered up Isaac, his son, on the altar? You see that faith was working with his works, and as a result of the works, faith was perfected. And the scripture was fulfilled, which says, And Abraham believed God, and it was reckoned to him as righteousness, and he was called the friend of God. You see that man is justified by works and not by faith alone. That's so difficult. I read it this morning. I was like, God, why did he say that? Martin Luther got really bent out of shape with that. He wanted he didn't want to include the book of James in the canon of the scripture because of that one statement right there. And when I read it, I'm like, God, why did he say it? It doesn't make any sense. Um, But I was reading in a study Bible. And in my study Bible, it, it said this, that. You know where it said that Abraham offered up his son Isaac? And that's, you know, that work really showed, you know, he was justified through that work. That really isn't true because earlier, years before, when God spoke to Abraham and said, go look at the stars and count them if you're able to, so will your descendants be. And it said Abraham believed God and it was credited to him as Righteousness. So where was righteousness credited at that moment in time? Isaac wasn't even born yet. Okay, so James can't mean that. Okay, it's faith alone is where we're justified and declared righteous. So as we read that, we have to believe that James is uh, saying that works 
is a complement to faith. It proves our faith. And I think that's, that's what your point is yes, as you're giving this message. Most, most, most definitely. Uh, because Paul, when we read uh, all the epistles that Paul wrote, he's going to tell us that, that faith is not dealing with anything, dealing with works whatsoever, because we are saved by grace through faith and um, not by works that sin a man should boast. So that's how Paul would teach it. Uh, but when, when James teaching it, he's, he's actually saying just that, what you just said. That he's saying that, no, not his works justified it. His works only, um, what, what we might say, it just showed that he was righteous. That's what it is. It's not that, it, because like you said, Isaac wasn't even born. Uh, this was, he said this was counted him righteous way back in chapter 15 of verse 6. So uh, we, we're talking about a long time before that. So really don't ever think that when he says uh, you're justified by works, you're not justified by works. You, you, your works got to complement your faith. That's all he's saying. Your works got to complement it. Okay. Now, the, the, the interesting thing about that, that passage you just read, uh, John, is that here is this man who said, I believe God. I believe God. He didn't say, I believe the promises. I believe God. Now, God tells him that I'm going to raise up all your descendants. They're going to be as numerous as his he stopped, but it's going to be by somebody from your own body. So we're talking about Isaac. So now he, he asked him to offer up Isaac. Now, anybody would already think that, wait a minute, you already promised me that you're going to uh, raise up all these descendants by, through Isaac. So how is this going to happen? That can't be you, God. So it's got to be the it's got to be the devil. So you're gonna have to get behind me, Satan. You know, uh, but see, he believed God. Now, don't you think he knew God's voice by now? And I think we know God's voice by now. We know God's voice because we know the word of God. See, we we God doesn't have to speak to us like He spoke to Abraham, but He can speak to us through His word and through His Spirit. And so, when we know God, because we know if it deviates from His word, it's not God. But if it coincides with his word, we say, okay, that's God. I know he's speaking to me. And he says, okay, I want you to offer up your, your son, your only son. He said, I believe you, God. I believe you. Yahweh, the most high God. El Elyon, I believe you. You're mighty. You can do anything. You're the possessor of heaven and earth that you, you made Adam. Why should I be concerned about Isaac? If Isaac, if I, alter, if, if I kill him at the altar, you'll raise him up. So that's why he could say, hey, you servants, you stay here. This, the boy and I, we're going to worship, and then we're coming back. He could say that because he knew God. That's what we have to be saying. We know God. Okay? Let's keep going. John. Okay, in verse 25, in the same way, was not Rahab the harlot also justified by works 
when she received the messengers and sent them out by another way. For just as the body without the spirit is dead, so also faith without works is dead. So he gives, a, he gives another example of Rahab uh, where her, her genuine faith is proven with her work of hiding the spies. And uh, he's trying to get us to see, hey, you guys need to have some kind of work that's going to accompany your profession of faith. That's good. That's good. And she did have works. And, uh, she did have that works for him. She could have died, you know, keeping those spies. The king found her. He could have killed them. Let's go over to Hebrews chapter 1, uh, chapter 11, verse 1. Let's go there. And we'll close it out in this area. Now, faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. For by it, men of old gain approval. By faith, we understand that the worlds were prepared by the word of God, so that what is seen was not made out of things which are visible. So that means that everything that we see was made by nothing that was in existence at the time. So we can see each other. That wasn't made by anything that was in existence. You said, well, the dirt was. Dirt was what? Who, who, who separated the waters from the waters? Who, who made dry land? He did. It's by faith. God is the author of faith and the finisher. He just speaks it and it is so. And it says here that verse 4, John, by faith, Abel offered to God a better sacrifice than Cain, through which he obtained the testimony that he was righteous. God testifying about his gifts. And through faith, though he is dead, he still speaks. Let's turn over to Genesis chapter 4 and verse 3 and look at that. And John, help us with that a little bit. Let's talk about Cain over here. And here's a person who had an opportunity to glorify God. And we know that... that um, we could, we could say, well, of course, Cain should have offered, he should have traded his, 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 his goods for, uh, some, some, um, for, for something that had blood so he can have a blood sacrifice. Yes, he could, he could have done that. Uh, that, that. That's probably true. Uh, but he also could have given the better pause. And let's start in verse 3. So it came about in the course of time that Cain brought an offering to the Lord of the fruit of the ground. Abel on his part also brought of the firstlings of his flock and of the fat portions. And the Lord had regard for Abel and for his offering. But Cain and for his offering, he had no regard. So Cain became very angry. And his countenance fell. Then the Lord said to Cain, Why are you angry? And, 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 his, and why has your countenance fallen? If you do well, will not your countenance be lifted up? In other words, 
Cain knew how to do well, but he didn't do it. He didn't do it. Do we know how to do well? And sometimes we just don't do it because of lack of faith or lack of honor or or he's not our greatest joy. Talk to us a little bit about it, John. In in, in that instance, because Cain is, uh, they talk about Cain in in other parts of the New Testament too. Cain was a bad bad person. (laughs) Yeah, it's it's interesting that in Hebrews, um, one is commended, of course, for faith. Uh, so Abel had faith, and we know that faith comes from hearing and hearing from the Word of God. So God had to give a specific set of instructions to Cain and Abel for that offering. And one of them obeyed that set of instructions. The other chose not to. And the one that listened to that set of instructions we're reading about today. In fact, it's interesting. Back to Hebrews 11, verse 4, it said, though he is dead, he still speaks. And so um, Abel's faith is still speaking. Um, How many years later is it? I mean, (laughs) quite a bit. And again, that reminds me of our faith that you're encouraging us to exercise as you parents exercise faith, it will speak to your children. And as your children grow in that faith, that will speak to the grandchildren. And it will be passed on from generation to generation, faith still speaking until Jesus comes back. And it's just an incredible testimony. And if you remember what I shared about, encouraged us last week that we have authority that we need to be taking into the workplace, into our schools, and into our neighborhoods? Well, you can't exercise that authority unless you have faith that Pastor is encouraging us and is saying is so important for us to believe in. And the consequences are severe. I mean, you know what happened to Cain, right? God set a mark on him and the whole world was against him. And he was terrible. He, he, he had... Uh, shame, he had guilt, he felt horrible. So when we don't walk by faith, we're not a happy camper, let's just say that, right? And it it just spreads that misery, uh, that lack of joy, uh, that spreads, it really turns into anxiety, we get frustrated, we get bitter. That's what starts speaking to our children. That's what starts speaking to our mates, our husbands, our wives, our co-workers. They see our misery, and that's what gets propagated. And that's a reproach on Christ, because we represent Christ. So, this whole thing of Abel still speaking, we can still speak. Today, we can speak. When we leave here, we can speak. Because we're walking by faith. We're, we're not going to walk by sight. That's, that's excellent. I haven't heard a message yet from last week. Uh, when it gets online, I'll listen to it, though. But I heard it, somebody said it was good, though. Somebody told me it was good. Now, the, the thing is that... Um, if you talked a little bit about authority last week, um, is Cain going to have authority? You think God going to give him authority? Why isn't he going to give him authority? Because of the centurion principle. You know the centurion principle? You're going to have to be under authority to have authority. 
He said, I'm a man on authority. And I said, does this one go? I said, that one go? So he's on authority. And, and so we have to realize that if we're going to do what God has told us to do, and he gave us some commands when he, when he, when he, when he made man, we're supposed to be having dominion over the animals, over the things. We're supposed to be having dominion. We're supposed to be doing something. We're supposed to be the thing. We're supposed to be light and salt in this earth. And if we're going to take that authority in the workplaces, like you said, we're going to do the things that God has called us to do, we're going to have to be under authority. To be under authority, we're going to have to be obedient. That's basically what it's saying. We're going to have to be obedient to God. And the only way we're going to be obedient to God is we're going to have to walk by faith. We're going to have to trust him. So we're going to, we, we laid the foundation today about uh, uh, walking by faith. This is, this is a huge topic because it affects everything that you do. It affects everything that you say. Honestly, it really does. And it, it was not a how-to message today. It was just a, a we-need-to message today. We need to walk by faith and not by sight. But let me tell you, uh, if you don't think it's going to affect what you say, your words, out of the abundance of the heart, the word going to speak. Your words will speak. It. And what you don't want to do is be speaking unbelief. And any time we don't speak what God is speaking, we're speaking, we're missing the mark. We're in sin. And so we want, to, we want to speak what God says. We want to say what God says. We want to do what God says. This is, this is a huge thing because we are the church. Don't you think that the government is going to do anything that's going to save you? I don't care how much of, uh, of whatever they do is not going to save you. It's not going to help you. Because if God calls an end to this thing, he can, call it, he can cause a crash any time he wants to call it, and, and he can allow it to be any time he wants to do it. We need God. We need God. And we have to start saying, hey, God, I trust you. I trust you. So you tell me that, that I'm supposed to be walking in unity because that was the last series. I'm going to walk by unity. I'm going to walk in unity because unless it's sin now. If one of the elders tell me to sin, I'm not going to sin because I'm going to be walking in unity with you. But if they tell me to do something that is not sin, I'm going to do it to the best of my ability. If you tell me to do something, my boss tell me to do something, my, you know, authority is everywhere. Everywhere. In the households, isn't it? It starts with the husband and wife. Somebody has authority, don't they? With the kids, someone has authority. So you got, you got to realize that, hey, I'm going to honor you, parents. If you're my parents, I'm going to honor you. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to respect you. I'm going to obey you because I want to be a, a teenager of authority. That's what you want to do. Man, I'm excited about the rest of the message, man. Let's stand. Thank you for listening to this message from Pastor Taylor and Cornerstone Community Church. We are located in Lynchburg, Virginia at 525 Old Graves Mill Road. You can find us online at cornerstonelynchburg.com, contact us by email, cornerstonecom at comcast.net, or call us at 434-847-4796. We pray the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance on you and give you peace.